0: Greetings, Black Knoll friends and members. Greetings, visitors, folks who are joining us in the Black Knoll diaspora. Greetings to you saints in the body of the Christ throughout the city and nation. Welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus. Let me encourage you as the calendar, new calendar year is upon us, Uh, to take the opportunity to connect with the ongoing life of the church. Our regular habits, Bible study, prayer, work with missions partners, the youth group, and other activities, they are continuing, but in modified formats. So please check out the website for more information. After an Advent and Christmas hiatus... We are returning to our study of Ephesians this morning. The letter opens with the big story of God's love for us, which began before creation and which he promises to fulfill when he brings all things to unity in Christ. Then Paul tells the church just what God has done for them in Jesus and what their cosmic calling is as his body. In the final two chapters, four through six, four, five, and six, three chapters, Paul gets practical about how an ordinary bunch of individuals, people with different backgrounds, gifts, experiences, can, under the direction of the Spirit, together, fulfill the calling that they have received. Our text this morning is chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Let's listen again to the word of the Lord. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I read this text, I thought of Pierre, a character from Leo Tolstoy's novel War and Peace. Would you indulge me for a moment? Oh, wait, I can't see your terrified faces, so I'll take that as a yes. Indulge me for a moment and allow me to tell you just for a moment about his life. Pierre is the son, the illegitimate son, of a great man. He was sent away to get an education, but as his father lay dying, he is called back to the unfamiliar society of his birth. Pierre is a young man, He's lived most of his life at a remove from his father without affection or hope of an inheritance. But suddenly that all changes. To the shock and dismay of many, the count names his bastard son as heir and sends for him. Listen to this description of Pierre as he makes his way through the grand house to his father's bedside. Pierre noticed that all the eyes of the persons in the room were fixed upon him with something more than curiosity and sympathy in his gaze. He noticed that they were all whispering together, looking towards him with something like awe and obsequious deference. They showed him a respect such as had never been shown him before. A lady, a stranger, got up and offered him her place— an ajoutal picked up the glove he had dropped. The doctors respectfully paused in their talk when he passed by. Pierre wanted at first to sit somewhere else so as not to trouble the lady. He would have liked to pick up the glove himself he, or walk around the doctors, but he felt all at once that to do so would be improper. He felt that he was, he had become that night, a person who had to go through a terrible ceremony. This young man receives a new title, a new identity. But with that identity comes, well, a set of unfamiliar and awkward, if not downright unenjoyable expectations. His new identity thrusts him into a new way of moving through the world, and he's not sure he likes it. To be a Christian is to receive from Jesus the new title, the new identity that he offers us, beloved child of God. Though we have lived at a remove from our Father, At a distance of our own making, without affection or hope of an inheritance, Jesus has brought us back into the Father's house. He is an elder brother who has shared his riches and made us heirs with him. This means that you have an identity that is deeper than the image that you project or perform in the world. You are more than what you make of yourself. Despite what your feelings or experience may tell you, you are not a historical accident, a bubble on the primordial sea. You have a title, an identity that undergirds and sanctifies all the particularities of what it means for you to live in your body and with your biography. It's an identity that comes with a vocation, a vocation to bear the family resemblance, to love. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us. It's so quotable, isn't it? It's often included in the liturgy for the Lord's Supper. But perhaps what followed surprised you. Among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality. Now, the various writers of the New Testament and even Jesus himself treats this topic and others, so it shouldn't be a surprise to find it here, but to contemporary listeners, it's something of a, a wild swing from what is most appealing about Christianity, love, to what is a roadblock for so many, Holiness. Perhaps as you were listening to Paul's words, you were beginning to feel that your new identity and status as a child of God, well, comes with a set of unfamiliar and awkward and, if not downright unenjoyable, expectations that you are not really sure you like. Maybe the prohibition on sex and crude jokes seems Superficial and stultifying and about as relevant to life in 2021 as late 19th century aristocratic Russian propriety. Holy people may call to mind an army of dour church ladies, a preoccupation with spaghetti straps and cuss words. We can readily accept the identity and vocation to love. But what does love have to do with being holy? In the Old Testament, the Lord instructed the people to recognize certain days, items, sometimes animals or even people, as holy to the Lord. The people set apart what was holy or sacred from the things that were everyday, common, profane. Perhaps you think of something that is holy as just that, something that is set apart Or separated. But that's only part of the picture. Something that is holy is set apart not to collect dust on some shelf, but to be used for a particular purpose. Separation is not an end in itself. It is a way to prepare something common, something like a tent or a people, For service to God. Amazingly, despite our limitations, our waywardness, by God's Spirit, things in our physical world may become something of a conduit, may communicate the life and presence of the living God. The church is called out for this very purpose. She is both declared holy, Paul writes his letter to God's holy people in Ephesus, and exhorted to be holy. We are given the title and asked to grow into it. The goal is not to earn something that God is withholding, but to fulfill our vocation. As we read earlier in Ephesians, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared. It is a double grace, as John Calvin describes it, that God would not only claim us as his own, but then put us to work in his service. Holiness is not an end in itself. Holiness is the process by which God sets us free to love. Holiness frees us to receive the love of God continually given to us in Christ. Holiness frees us to love others, to engage them in ways that reflect and not obscure God's love for them. It is a way of being in the world that allows us to receive and sometimes pass on something of the great love and mercy that we have known in Christ so let's look briefly at paul's particular exhortations to us paul warns against sexual immorality or any kind of impurity followed immediately by the prohibition of greed both of these things sexual sexual immorality and greed are lusts, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, as First John describes them. Both stem from a will to dominate, to take what is not rightfully yours, the physical knowledge of someone apart from a lifelong covenant, amassing money and resources beyond what you need. Obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking come next. They more or less seem to mean what you would think they do. And perhaps you know from your experience, as I unfortunately know from my own, how quickly we can misrepresent our neighbors or misrepresent the world as a site of God's gracious engagement in the ways that we use our words. These behaviors seem to offer short-term satisfaction at little or no cost to ourselves, And sometimes it seems little or no cost to others. But consider the way of love that Paul describes. The way of love that Christ walked required trust and didn't offer immediate gratification. And ultimately, the way of love meant giving himself up. Christ draws us onto the path of self-giving love alongside him. It's a way that often takes us through steep terrain, away from proximate pleasures. But it is not just an arduous journey or a terrible ceremony. As you continue on the path, you discover that it is, well, The way to life. Can you think of someone that you would call saintly? If you describe someone as saintly, you may mean that they are good, rigorously principled, morally upright, And it may very well be that in their presence, you feel like you are losing a competition or failing an exam. It's a display of willpower on their part and self-consciousness on your own. But to be in the presence of someone who has yielded to the Spirit, who has allowed themselves to grow into this title given by God and to become what they are, holy, well, that's a different experience. In their presence, you feel both better than you are, but not complacent. You feel that despite your weaknesses that are so obvious to you and everyone else, it really is possible to know God more and to be safely known by others. This week, we have witnessed together what the power of words and the lust for power may do. We have seen how greed and foolish talk, when left unchecked, pull at the fabric of our most cherished unions, threaten fellowship, inhibit love. Today, we perhaps more readily understand the wisdom of Paul's exhortations than we did a week ago. Our imaginations have been spurred to see how lust and greed and careless speech can be a cancer for a people. The church stands not in judgment, but sobered alongside our countrymen as we consider how we helped get us here and how we might be faithful to our particular identity and vocation in what seems to be an uncertain season ahead. I don't know all this means, but as unintuitive as it may be for us, public witness, loving our neighbors, well, they cannot be separated from seeking to be holy ourselves. For it is in this way that the Spirit will free us to do what we are called to do, love. Take heart, friends. Ours is the story not of a count or a president. Ours is the story of a coming king. Thanks be to God.